Chapter Two of the Story of a New Zealand River by Jane Mander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Carpenter and Sunny Shoreman were working on the back shed, and Asia was amusing herself and, incidentally, Betty and the baby by playing with the shavings and chips when she saw an astonishing figure making its way among the rushes and cutty-grass bushes that dotted the slope of the green hill that rose like an overturned basin a few chains away from the back of the boss's house. She sprang to her feet and called upon the carpenter to look. "'It's a lady!' she exclaimed. He grunted assent. "'A real lady!' repeated Asia. Her first impulse was to rush to tell Alice. Then she remembered. The astonishing figure came on. Every detail of its appearance was a never-to-be-forgotten fact by the time it paused beside the shed, and surely only magic could have produced that small grand old lady, in a stiff-shot silk dress of green and gold, with lovely old lace folded round her shoulders, a funny little old hat of lace and velvet upon her fine grey hair, distinction radiating from every inch of her. In her hands she carried a card-case of tortoise-shell and gold, two books, and a magnificent bunch of violets. Her bright blue eyes rested approvingly upon Asia's golden hair, and stared with frank pleasure into the questioning depths of those dilated young eyes. "'It seems to be a case of mutual surprise, my dear,' she began. "'I suppose you are Asia Roland.' "'And you must be the fairy godmother,' was the sharp reply. The old lady laughed. "'That is just what I shall be,' she said. As she spoke, Asia's eyes fell upon the violets. The visitor noticed the gasp of delight. Oh, "'You love violets,' she said. Asia nodded. "'I brought them for your mother. Are you not going to ask me to come in?' "'Oh, yes, please, but my mother. She's asleep. She was so tired. She said I wasn't to disturb her whatever happened. She didn't expect you, you see. Would you mind if we sat in the kitchen?' It's just finished, and it's quite clean, and I couldn't wake Mother for anything. It all came out with a rush. The old eyes glowed. Indeed, you shall not wake your mother. I shall be very pleased to talk to you. Asia glanced at Betty and the baby, who were playing amicably. They will be quite good with you, she said sweetly to the carpenter, who remained quiet as to his doubts. Then she proudly led the way inside, talking quickly and with guarded softness. I can make tea quite well. I know how. I often make it for Mother. Have you come from those pine trees? We saw them from the river. Mother wondered who lived there. You see, we feel so lonely. At least Mother does. I like it here. But Mother hasn't been used to a place like this. She doesn't like it. She doesn't say so, but I know. I always know when she doesn't like things. No, you can't sit in that chair. It isn't comfortable. I'll bring you Mother's chair. She disappeared into the front room, leaving the old lady standing in the middle of the kitchen. She reappeared, staggering, with an ancient mahogany rocker, which she cleverly steered without bumping through the door. The fairy godmother moved swiftly to help, but was waved airily aside. Asia placed the chair in front of the window. Now, sit there. You will look lovely with the light on you. Mother does. This is a special chair, very special. It was once my granny's. It came from England. Mother loves everything that comes from England. Now, you look just right. The child's eyes, glowing with admiration, looked the old lady up and down. The fairy godmother felt a very human lump in her throat. Now, 
i must put the violets into water continued asia she went to the cupboard and selected a plain white enamel basin she loosened the flowers and arranged the leaves round them then she buried her face in them for a minute and sniffed energetically finally she placed the basin carefully in the middle of the bare cauldry slab table you must have a garden said the old lady who had watched her with increasing interest i will give you plants asia whisked round oh thank you that will be lovely we would just love a garden then with a grand manner now i will get you some tea the fairy godmother rocked slowly while the child turned to the open fireplace where the kettle hung singing over glowing coals all the while she prepared the simple tea asia chatted on with delightful importance it was clear she felt to the last degree the exultation of entertaining so grand a personage we have no biscuits she said regretfully but you won't mind will you i can cut bread and butter we have a cow so i can give you cream mother says it's a luxury and we haven't many luxuries you see we are very poor and you are very rich aren't you with another survey of the silk and lace but you won't mind our plain things will you mother says it doesn't matter what we have it's what we are and mr bruce says plain things are beautiful do you know mr bruce i think he's lovely don't you the old lady seized this chance with alacrity i do know mr bruce and i do like him it was he who told me you had arrived thank you i take sugar one teaspoon mr bruce told me your mother has a piano that's another luxury does she play much oh yes it makes me feel oh she clenched her hands and you love music too tell me where were you born in england i suppose no i wasn't but mother was she is english very proudly i was born somewhere in australia mother told me once i think it was sydney i don't really remember i wish i could remember more it's horrid to forget things isn't it the old lady choked on a mouthful of tea asia jumped up in alarm shall i slap your back she asked i always do mother's but the visitor waved her back struggling with a fresh attack finally righting herself she laughed heartily you amuse me so much that i can't help laughing she explained i hope your tea is as you like it said asia gravely repeating her mother's formula it is indeed it is delicious tea the smiling eyes noted the composed satisfaction on the child's face for another half hour asia fired questions at her enchanted visitor who continued to rock slowly in the warm band of window light suddenly a figure appeared in the middle doorway oh mother asia sprang up here is a lady who has come to see us she is a real fairy godmother i have made her tea for a second alice stood dumbfounded by that vision in the sun-glow then recognizing the type of her amazing guest she crimsoned with humiliation to think that such an elegant person sat within full view of a bucket of dirty water a box of saucepans and an untidy corner of groceries still waiting for promised shelves the visitor stared frankly at her tall and graceful figure simply dressed in dark blue gingham and at her fine head wreathed with thick plaits of copper-tinged hair she knew instantly what was disturbing her she rose up out of the rocker her blue eyes full of mischief yes i'm in the kitchen and do you know why alice stared at her because you were tired and asleep and must not be disturbed whatever happened and to avoid disturbing you asia brought me here and told me to talk in whispers and i have not enjoyed anything so much for years 
now you know you do not have to apologize she held out her hand still too astonished to speak alice took it and looked at her ah i would know anywhere that you were english said the old lady with undisguised satisfaction yes murmured alice thank god for that these awful colonials get on my nerves they think and act as if england didn't exist it will be delightful to have an englishwoman to talk to again i am mrs brayton i live at the back of that hill indicating it with a nod as she sat down in the pines yes in the pines oh gasped alice unable to realize all at once this good fortune then she saw the violets tears rushed to her eyes i know just how you feel cried mrs brayton impulsively you've been here one week and you think it's the end of everything and that you'll die and that there's no god i know i felt that way but i've been here nearly fifteen years and i have grown to love it i wouldn't live anywhere else now you'll feel the same by and by i have my son and my old english servants and my garden and my library and all my own things about me and i get the london papers and the reviews and magazines and i have a magnificent view i tell you i love it and you can be happy here if you want to alice struggled with her amazement i can see you're tragic my dear you must be cured of that you must think of the compensations you must have a garden i will send you plants i find there is nothing like a garden for soothing the nerves and giving one a good opinion of god's ways and the country is the place for children and books nothing like it i know the first week is paralyzing but you have got over it now and soon you will begin to realize the bush and that mountain and the river and they will mean more to you than you think no place can bury you my dear we bury ourselves i'm an old woman so i can lecture you and if i have stood it you can you are young and you have children to help you out her eyes rested on asia who sat leaning forward listening feverishly alice flushed and for a moment there was an eloquent silence then betty and the baby tumbled in from the yard laughable objects of dirt and crossness seeing that alice was ashamed of them mrs brayton took her in hand now don't be cross with them children ought to be dirty and hungry it's their natural condition mine always were and what does it matter whether i see them or not what does anything matter in a place like this except that we be human you can't bring drawing-room conventions here my dear this life is real artificial things are ridiculous in it while alice struggled with the discomposure that she could not immediately control asia lured the children outside with diplomatic promises of refreshments will you come into the front room alice tried to smile the old lady wondered how any one as good-looking as she could have remained such an iceberg they walked into the front room alice carrying the rocker ah a brinsmead said mrs brayton her eyes on the piano yes said alice glad that she had something good to show by the time they sat down she had recovered some of her self-possession mrs brayton took in at a glance the tasteless and poverty-stricken appearance of the little room apart from the piano there was not a thing in it to interest her she saw that there as yet were no pictures no books no ornaments she knew that the wooden sofa and the cane chairs were the cheapest things of their kind that could be bought and she guessed that the girl before her had somewhere in her past known a very different setting she noticed her shapely hands the poise of her head 
the unmistakable signs of generations of culture do play to me she said looking at a pile of music on the top of the piano i'm badly out of practice alice began nervously she hated to play before strangers oh everybody says that but you will have to begin to play to me sometime so why not face the evil moment now the old lady smiled mischievously at her facing the evil moment was not one of alice's strong points but she could not resist that smile uncertainly she moved to the piano and chose a volume of chopin through nervousness she made one or two mistakes but in spite of that she played a nocturne and a prelude with great feeling and brilliant technique mrs brayton was amazed and delighted my dear she exclaimed frankly i need hardly say i didn't expect to find you when i set out to call on tom roland's wife now i don't mean anything against him he's one of the few colonials i thoroughly admire but how could one expect that he would have an accomplished musician for a wife oh what your music will mean to me my playing days are done but my old broadwood is still fairly good you must come and play to me often and you can play with david bruce have you heard him play the violin alice's look of confusion and astonishment was not unexpected no she stammered flushing furiously you haven't went on the old lady remorselessly well he plays beautifully and has kept up his practice you have met him of course yes answered alice most uncomfortably mrs brayton pounced upon her my dear i hope you have not been putting on airs with poor david let me tell you he is a gentleman they don't breed anything like him out of england he is one of the few people i invite to dinner he is one of the most interesting men i have ever met and when we english people find ourselves away in places like this we can't afford to snub each other because of a difference in the work we do we drop all that when we leave england when i met david bruce first he was digging gum but when i found out he read voltaire and played the violin i could have fallen on his neck and wept for sheer delight all work is the same here whether you are paid or not and whether you work for yourself or not my dear you are very young and you have been here only a week and you are feeling very badly about everything but you will learn that there are no class distinctions here and you must take down your barricades i was like you i had to you must forgive me i am a chattering old woman mrs brayton stood up and put her hand on alice's shoulder don't be offended she said alice fought to keep back tears i'm not offended she tried to smile she knew she could not resent anything this elegant old lady might say nothing but gratitude for the sound of that cultured voice filled her heart but she foresaw horrible complications arising out of her reception of david bruce mrs brayton sat down again how many children have you she asked abruptly three answered alice grateful for the change and you were a widow you must have been married very young the first time i don't approve such early marriages i think english parents make a great mistake to allow them one thing i like about this country is that the women work and learn something about life and men before they marry yes said alice not in answer to anything mrs brayton detected the coldness in her tone how far away do you live her abruptness was almost rude but mrs brayton ignored it she saw she had ventured on a forbidden topic our property borders yours but we are more than two miles apart by hill and gully do you ride 
No, I do not. Well, you can learn. It is not hard. And then we shall see much nearer. Whatever brought you to this place? asked Alice, unable to resist the question. Harold came up here, land hunting, soon after we arrived in New Zealand. He came out purposely to farm. And, as he is the only human I possess, I had to come too. I wept and protested, and declared I'd die. And he said I didn't have to come if I didn't want to. And he took no notice of me. There comes a time, you know, when our children do what they want to do. And I don't blame them. It's their right. And it makes them more interesting. Of course, I wanted most to be with him, or I would have done something else myself. So I settled down to it, and we made a house and garden. Then we planted an orchard and got cows and fowls and bees, and soon had no time for introspection. It's five years since I went to Auckland. They call it a city, that little village. I don't care if I never see Auckland again. No, give me my garden and my view of the river, and the smell of burnt fern, and my English papers. Alice listened humbly to this spirited chatter, thinking herself the only white woman of her type who could ever have met so awful a fate. She had inwardly raged all through the week, anticipating her own degeneration, and here before her, after fifteen years of it, there had stepped, as if straight out of an English drawing-room, this silk-begowned old aristocrat, fragrant with the scent of violets. In a burst of gratitude for her presence in such a place, she unbent. "'Oh, I am so glad to find you here,' she said. Mrs. Brayton smiled. "'Well, you're something of a discovery yourself. We must do all we can for each other. You must have a garden and fowls. Nobody can be despondent with fowls about. I have grown to love animals, even pigs. You must make Roland put up a fence and fix up a fowl run. Haven't you any books? Only a few. I have not unpacked them yet. What a mistake. It might have done you good to look at them. I have quite a library. You can have as many books as you want. I have brought you Mrs. Humphrey Ward's latest, and a wonderful new novel called The Story of an African Farm, by an Olive Schreiner, new writer to me. But perhaps you have seen them. I have not, and I shall be very glad to read them, said Alice gratefully. It was very kind of you to bring them. Do you read French? asked Mrs. Brayton, laying the books down on the table. Yes. That's good. Do you know Voltaire? No. Now, don't say you're a Puritan, said the old lady, who had guessed she was. I'm afraid I am, rather, answered Alice doubtfully. Then you must be cured. Puritanism is an awful disease. You must read Voltaire. I consider him as valuable as the Bible. I shouldn't like to face the world without him. Are you a churchwoman? To Mrs. Brayton there was only one church. No, I am not, replied Alice uncomfortably. Not a Wesleyan, I hope, in obvious alarm. Alice laughed suddenly, her whole face lighting up. Mrs. Brayton thought it was a pity she did not laugh oftener. No, I'm a Presbyterian. Oh, that's all right, with great relief. It's a state church anyway, and they do educate their parsons. We have a nice young curate in this diocese. He will be coming to see you. I hope you will come to the Kaiwaka church sometimes. There is no Presbyterian church anywhere about. Thank you, I will come. Dear me, Mrs. Brayton rose. I shall be left out in the dark if I stay any longer. I want you and your husband to come to have dinner with me some day next week, say Friday. Oh, thank you, as they walk towards the door. But I can't leave the children. That's true. Well, I'll get Eliza King. She's a good, reliable girl. She lives in Kaiwaka and often works for me. I'll send her down to look after them. 
they will be quite safe she's excellent with children and she will ride and can go home at any hour she is not afraid but please i can't allow you will just allow me to do as i please my dear you can't come without someone to look after your children and i want you to come i'm pining to know how the world looks nowadays i'm just as glad to discover you as you may be to find me i shall send eliza king on friday and come early in the afternoon so that you can see my garden oh and bring asia yes now i won't forgive you if you don't and don't say you don't have any clothes or any nonsense of that kind as you have told your child it isn't what we have it's what we are that counts if you talk philosophy to your child live up to it they had walked out of the front door and round the house at mrs brayton's last words alice laughed again meeting the old lady's eyes what a joy to have such a child said mrs brayton before alice could reply they came in sight of the back door and david bruce who had some fresh fish in his hand he put them down on the doorstep and turned oh david how are you cried the old lady i've expected you up for your violin i can't shake hands i'm fishy he said raising his cap to them well if you're not busy you can walk up to the fence with me and see me through i nearly tore my dress coming down with pleasure good-bye my dear said mrs brayton turning to alice i shall see you next week and remember when you are inclined to feel blue that whatever happens you will have an englishwoman and with a nod at bruce an englishman to see you through the gloved hand rested for a moment on alice's arm alice mumbled something but could not keep a tremble from her lips she turned aside hurriedly went inside locked herself into her room and wept after saying good-bye to asia who had rushed at her from the kitchen mrs brayton stepped out with bruce up the field i've invited the rollands to dinner next friday can you come too she looked quizzically at him he smiled back at her not with them just yet please i see she hasn't discovered you that's nicely put she is very young and uncertain and very proud and conservative but very attractive isn't she what the devil made her marry a man like tom roland hanged if i can guess he has great qualities but i doubt if they appeal to her she won't like his skirmishes with other women well my dear lady what woman would mrs brayton laughed oh some of them don't worry they go and do likewise i dare say should you think of suggesting it to mrs roland don't be absurd david heavens but she is armor-plated isn't she if i had a husband like that and a child like that i should find it rather a strain keeping up the family dignity i say she does we must educate her out of it yes i think you'd better go gently oh i have won her now david it's you who have the work to do laughed the old lady it is rather a dramatic thing isn't it that a group like that should have landed here she looked round at the mountain the river and the bush it's just as dramatic that you should have landed here he smiled i should like to see her face when she meets your house and garden he held the wires of the fence apart for her stood a moment as she walked on and then returned to the bay End of chapter two